Yep. Give me a nod yeah, when you're ready. Shooter's ready. Stand by. This is Matt Gunlock from the 3GIQ podcast, and I'm joined here again with my co-host, Frank Gow. Hey, everybody. How's it going? So uh, we've had a long stream of interviews with a bunch of our friends, and now we've kind of run out of those episodes and we decided, well, let's let's take the time and just have a conversation ourselves, record something um, as uh, we go on, you know, just kind of break up the norm. So today we're actually going to talk about match burnout. And for a lot of newer shooters who might not fully understand what match burnout is, for people who've been uh, shooting for a long period of time, uh, they understand that it's a very real thing. Would you agree? Absolutely. So within the Marine Corps, shooting is very competitive. I would say outside of the Marine Corps, it takes an entire another step. If you listen to that episode with Chris Scott, he talks about just how high that skill curve goes, the guys in the AMU and people that do this for a living. So if you get into civilian shooting, it's you are constantly going to be you're constantly going to be reminded that there's better shooters than you. And you can put in a lot of time and effort and still still um, kind of turn up in the middle of the pack. So it's important, uh, it's important to realize that that's just by nature, like what competitive shooting is. Um, but also if you're not looking at it the right way, you're not framing it the right way. And if you're pushing yourself too hard, it can be very easy for what should be a positive aspect of your life to become a negative and possibly detrimental part of your life. So uh, I guess I'll start it out, you know, talking about personal experiences with match burnout myself. Um, And, you know, I don't know how much people know or followed kind of what I've done on the Marine Corps shooting team. Whenever I got there, I, you know, instead of going to the three gun team, I went over, uh, went over to the bullseye pistol team. And I will say one thing about bullseye pistol is it is very mentally focused. It's very mentally demanding, um, you know, when we talk and when, when people says you have to be an active listener, uh, whenever you're having conversations in, in bullseye, you have to be an active thinker. You have to always be thinking of that next shot. And you're, you're thinking about very minute details. And when you're doing nothing but being on the range training just about every day um, and it carries into months at a time that you're doing this, by the time nationals come, if you didn't train properly, you're going to be burnt out before nationals even gets there and you're not going to be in your best form. And whenever nationals is over, you're not going to want to touch, touch a gun for a long period of time. Uh, another aspect I felt is going to back to back to back matches just one weekend after the other, like not even being home for a couple of days. And by the time that month is over, 
you're just physically and mentally drained. And I think there, there's other aspects to that that uh, start to compound. If you're hitting matches every single weekend for a month, then there's likely errands around the house that you're neglecting. The financial toll may build up. The friction between you and your significant other, your family members, all those things that you neglect are going to start to compound, and you can't really you can't really leave these things in the back burner. Um, so, from my perspective, I think there's two moments at which I've felt match burnout, and I've talked about both on this podcast in previous episodes. The first one was after my first DQ. I shot the Carolina Classic in 2019. I had just PCS from California. I was really excited to be in North Carolina again to the shooting scene. And I went there and halfway through, I DQ'd. Um, on the way home, I, I really just questioned why, why I was shooting. Um, I had just driven all the way to Raleigh. I paid $200, $300 for my match fee. And it just wasn't, it wasn't, I realized within myself that I wasn't enjoying shooting. And it's a hobby. It's not a job. It's not, it's something that I chose to do. And so I should, I should really be uh, enjoying it. And then the other time that I felt it was um, we talked about it post uh, championships this year. And it was really, it was several factors compounding. It was um, my, my ankle was really, really sore after shooting McMick East and then championships uh, stressed out because I was still doing command staff. We had just made an offer on a house that got accepted and we're closing on that. And there was just a lot of other stuff going on. And additionally, I had my company commander responsibilities. So I think it's important to like identify the cause of it. Like, is it multiple? Is it, is it a mixture of like you overloading yourself? Like is the pressure coming from internal or is it coming externally? Is it other sources? Are there other things going on in your life? that are detracting from your ability to focus on what should be something that you do purely for enjoyment and fulfillment. And you kind of hit on something there that I totally agree with. And it reminded me of a conversation whenever we talked to Parker Tomasi, um, a lot of the times, you know, some people say, um, I'm going to a match or, you know, my wife knows I'm going to a match. Well, it's asking that permission because, when you just keep taking and taking and taking the relationship is going to take its own toll. And that's just going to compound into another stress. Um, whenever I was shooting on my own prior to coming to the team, um, there were times I was going to matches three times a week and I kind of got into competitive shooting um, right after my daughter was born. So I kind of had to assess what I was doing and why I was doing it and take a step back and be like, I need to dedicate this much time to being with family. That way it allows me to, uh, I have the permission to go to these specific matches at the time. It wasn't my job, but prior to it being my job, you know, there were aspects where it's like the stress was real you know, family is real and you can't negate that fact. Yeah. Something else Parker said was like, I get to go to these yes, matches. Like yes. my, my spouse is letting me. And he alluded to the fact that some people might be like, I mean, you're a grown man, you do what you want. But the way I've always posed it, not just, not just in terms of shooting Marine Corps career in general, 
like, look, eventually your family's going to be the ones left. The Marine Corps will still be there after mm-hmm. the time. Um, USPSA and three gun are still going to be there, even if you step away and focus on yourself for a bit. But those people that are going to be with you for hopefully the rest of your life, if you don't, if you don't invest in them, that's going to suffer. And then that's going to take away from your ability to focus on your job, be effective at your job and also be effective as a competitive shooter. Yeah. And I mean, I'll be the first one. I'll, I'll, I'll say this, like, um, I spent so much time going to matches since my daughter was born. Um, we are now really starting to develop uh, over the past year, a meaningful relationship. Um, and I don't regret the path I chose because the path I chose kind of put food on the table, got me to let me meet a lot of great people and get to connect with a lot of great people. Um, but it between the deployments and between all the travel, it's, it did take a toll on a relationship, but luckily it was, she's been young enough to where I can um, reinvigorate that relationship and have a meaningful relationship with her before it's too late. And it's something I recognized in our family life. Yeah. And it's a good thing that you're making that realization now. I think a lot of folks, especially with, I mean, you join the service to serve and give a lot of yourself. And some people they give and they give and they give. And then eventually at the end of it, um, family's not around. They don't want to stick around because of how, because of how much they're taking in order to continue to give uh, in support of their service. So kind of want to bring it back to, you, you talked about that summer with the bullseye pistol team. Mm-hmm. Um, what were some things? So you, you noticed that within yourself, so going into the next summer season, what were some things you did to like purposefully combat that uh, that burnout? So the first season I was with the team, I'll, I'll kind of start out with that. The first season that we were that I was there, we kind of uh, I wouldn't say that there was a, a, a really structured plan. It was just show up to the range. We're going to do the same thing over and over and over again from mid April, end of April, all the way until mid-July whenever nationals is over and it was practically the same thing almost every day um you know shooting from zero eight to sixteen hundred or um at the time there wasn't a whole lot of organizations so uh the range request and the ammo request hadn't been put in prior so I kind of assessed what the situation was during and after that first season so come December, January timeframe, I'd already had a plan in place and I was consulting with my coach on the team and him and I kind of worked hand in hand and we came up with a plan come December, January, we planned out every single time we were going to be on the range, how much effort we were going to be there. He had a shooting schedule for every day um, and we allocated how much ammo we were going to be shooting. Um Instead of shooting five days out of the week, we were going to shoot three to four days out of the week. That way we wouldn't feel the pressure of being on the range every single day. And it kind of gave us an opportunity to handle whatever administrative tasks that we need. Or that on that Friday, if we didn't want to go out to the range, we could all just meet up, go out to breakfast and then, you know, kind of handle some things and then leave for the day. That way we weren't feeling that pressure. Um, 
I brought a separate and I brought a guest instructor out, uh, Keith Sanderson. Um, a lot of the, you know, submarines know him, uh, you know, especially in the bullseye community, he's an Olympic level shooter. You know, he's won NRA and CMP nationals multiple years. Um, I had him come out and instruct and kind of educate us on, um, match pressure, preparation, training regimen, all that kind of stuff. So it, that second season I was there, we went in with more of a plan of how to take care of ourselves physically and mentally and on the range. That way we would reduce the amount of match burnout. Yeah, that's great. And a lot of what you're talking about is preparation and doing things with a purpose and intent. So some of the things that I've learned um, and, you know, Ben Stager talks about this in one of his podcasts is planning out your season and planning ahead. So say you have a competitive shooting season. Um, I think it makes sense to pick the event that is like the, the summit, right? Like mm -hmm. what are you working towards and what is your quantifiable goal at that, at that end point? Um, we, we had a conversation with, um, with Sam Nelson and he said he, his, his goal is to go to nationals and place above 85% in that final standing. Mm -hmm. It's quantifiable. It's something he can work towards. I think that's great. Um, but picking out that match and then back planning, right. Um, there's a lot of logistics involved with shooting. So all you guys who shoot three gun, like you got three guns to feed, you got three guns to maintain those of us that shoot USPSA, we have maybe what one pistol and a backup pistol, but still important, like all those things, like the parts of a gun that are eventually going to give way and like, you know, um, stop working springs, most likely having those extras on hands, um, uh, having, having your ammo planned out. Like some guys, I'm the kind of guy who, uh, who will go and load about 500 rounds at a time. I don't bulk load. I don't bulk load like four to five K like some people do. But if you leave it too late, then you're rushing last minute to load ammo for a match. And that just compounds the amount of stress that you feel. Um, procrastination, just like in school, just like anything else is just going to add to the level of stress. And that also means you're more likely to make mistakes. And by the time you get to the match, you may, maybe you have some ammo that isn't quite as QC as you, as you would like it to be. That ultimately takes away from the quality of the match. Uh, last thing I'll say is like, I, I messed that. I messed up in terms of my back planning. I, I attended SIGA for their rifle instructor course in February, week long course, great course. I needed about 1500 rounds. And if you know anything about reloading, 556 five, is an absolute pain in the ass. And I absolutely underestimate the amount of time it was going to take for me. Like, cause I, <laughs> I, you I use a single stage or did you use no. a I used a progressive, but some of the stuff had to be like trimming was manual. Mm -hmm. um, deburring and chamfering was manual. Uh, swaging the primer pockets was manual. And it just, it took so long. By the time I finally got to like putting this brass in my progressive press, I was like, oh, hallelujah. Thank God. Um, and then I also had to ship it up to New Hampshire. So just a lot of stuff that if I hadn't planned, I, I planned ahead and it still kicked my ass. Um so just being deliberate about those things, you know? Yeah, I think uh, kind of 
that's what it takes. And then there's also preparation. So you, you talked about having that pinnacle event. So here on the team, you know, I'll, I'll use last, last year as an example. Um, I kind of planned la- last year's summer season and shooting season out probably February, March timeframe. And I, you know, we got the summer shooters in April. I didn't have their first match planned until mid-May. No, their first match wasn't until June. So they went essentially a month and a half before they shot their first match. They may have shot a local here and there, but nothing big. And I kind of planned it out that way. That way they were fully ready for major match season. Um, But come, come June, we had three major matches back to back to back in June, one weekend right after the other. And I, I knew it and everyone, you know, and I conveyed that same information and and Chris Scott and I talked about it heavily. I was like, June's going to be busy and we're going to have to do what we can to combat the burnout. And um, it was busy. There was a little bit burnout, a little bit of burnout by the end of the month. Um, but we did finish it on a really fun match. And, uh, you know, it was the, the IWI, uh, three man, three gun. And it was, it was a great experience where yes, we were burnt out by the end of the match. Um, and I would say it was more of a physical burnout, um, with, with some mental involved, uh, just because we'd been on the road so often, but from the first match of the season to the end of June, a lot of progression was made. A lot of people realized what they were capable of, and it kind of allowed them to catapult to, you know, future successes. Um, and the team ended up in a very good place for it. Um, you know, so as long as you could recognize that there's going to be burnout, you, there are there are ways that you can combat that burnout. And uh, kind of what we talked about before is going to the range with a plan. When you are going to train, allocate how much ammo you're going to do, use, and determine what drills you're going to prepare for and it a range session you know it doesn't have to be an all-day event it could be a few hours get in there go do what you need to do and get out um that way you can save yourself time and energy and not extenuating anything um another thing that we all talk about um is dry fire dry fire with a plan keep a gun in your hand you don't have to be outside you could be in the comfort of your own home using dry fire targets um you know just go you know dry fire with some intensity with a plan 15 to 20 minutes at a time and you're going to you you're going to see benefits from what you do yeah i pulled out a few few points from that so what you talked about in terms of not scheduling a major match until about a month into the summer season Mm -hmm. i'd say discovery learning is really important right 
um, learning your body tendencies and like how, how to bring the best in, in terms of performance out of yourself. And I think there's a difference between when you're training uh, between building something and testing it, right? Mm-hmm. You shouldn't always be testing things because you never give your, yourself, you're, you're probably just going to perpetually fail, right? We all know those shooters that more or less, they go out to matches like local matches all the time. And you overhear them saying like, oh, this is the only shooting I do. This is the only training I do. And it's like, it's not really training. You like, you, you need some, you need some research and development in there. And either that's dry fire or live fire, but you need to be able to experiment with things and, and see, see what works and what doesn't. Um, and then uh, the, the last point you hit on is like, hey, not every range session needs to be a marathon event. That's exactly right. Uh, I went shooting today. We were out there for about two hours, but there's also like, there's no one's going to give you, it's not going to increase your hit factor. It's not going to make you a better shooter if you're just out there like slaying yourself, right? So little things about like taking care of your body, bring a cooler out there, um, you know, bring some snacks, having like shade out there. Um, having moments where you're just like relaxing a little bit and, you know, maybe just taking notes about what you just did. Um, and a, a little, a little note for myself, something I do like the night before a match, honestly, uh, I'll load all my max the night before a match. Mm-hmm. I don't like showing up to the range and feeling like there's one more thing that I got to uh, take care of. I like to show up, walk the stages and I know everything's ready to go. I don't need to, I don't need to load mags on the spot. Yeah, that's, what, that's another thing I do. I'll load the magazines up the night prior, especially in three gun, you know, three guns, you know, two of the guns require magazines. So if I'm at a major match, I'll have, you know, a D60, 240 rounders and 230 rounders all loaded up. I may not need them that day, but at least they're there. So whenever I get to the stage, if I'm at a local, you know, I'm figuring out what mag I'm going to use right then and on the spot. If I'm in a major, I can kind of already have decided, hey, I'm going to be using this mag. But it's just going in there, having everything kind of ready to go. That way, it's one less thing. Another thing I'll do, you know, I never used to clean my guns. Uh, but after some, you know, mess ups due to not having clean guns, um, I at least before a major match, I will go through and wipe down every gun, not a full detailed clean, but just a good serviceable cleaning, um, wiping down all the excess carbon. Um, that way there's less friction. Yeah. And comp- competition shoes are creatures of habit. If you watch someone's make ready, it looks exactly like a pitcher's wind up or batter getting ready to take that pitch. Right. Um, and something else that you all should be cognizant of and just in terms of like burnout, like ask yourself legitimately, am I enjoying this? Like the things that I'm doing, um, the same question I asked myself coming back from Sir Walter after the Carolina classic 2019. And my answer was no, that sucked. Like I, I just, that, that was embarrassing. I wasn't ready for it. And I think my answer at the time was to step away a little bit. Uh, from shooting I was shooting every single weekend and I eventually got to the point where I was like I think I need to go and seek advice or take a class from an actual professional shooter and it was Chris Tilly at the time that was my first class and eventually took JJ Rakaz and a bunch of other classes um, but it goes back to what we're saying about having like phases in your shooting uh, JJ 
specifically, the way he builds his training, he has three phases. And his first phase is like, you're building up your basic skills, your reload, your index, your transitions. And then the second and third phase are all about like, basically testing, 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 getting ready for a major match, right? And that, that's, he plans everything out uh, in that particular uh, manner. Um, but the, you, know, you know what that kind of sounds like to me? Sounds like uh, preparing for like a deployment, you know, the whole company comes for, first forms together. They're kind of doing the crawl walk run of getting the basic fundamentals of, you know, hey, these are the uh, 1,000, 2,000 level task, which for those who don't know what that is, that's like all the individual skill sets in order to be uh, to survive during combat. Then it goes into, you know, your team and squad level task. And then once you have those things down, then you're working up to platoon company and then uh, eventually battalion. So by the time you get to that final exercise in preparation for the deployment, you are ready to go. And it's a very scripted and structured plan. And, you you know, it's a it's two year phase that every unit goes through every two years. Exactly. And it works. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, nothing wrong with just jumping in there and like doing things for fun. But realize that if you are listening to this and you do want something specific out of your pinnacle event, then it pays to put those building blocks there and also have, have ways to assess like your, your quantifiable performance. Um, but in terms of like just being able to get away, like if you feel like you're stuck somewhere, I shot production for way longer than I should have. And I know, I know Sam Nelson's listening to this and he's laughing. Um, I had, I had a gun that would, that would malfunction and take away about four seconds for each stage. And I was just super stubborn. Like, I don't know what it was. I was like, I'm going to make it work with this gun. I'm going to become, I'm gonna, I want to make M in production. And it just wasn't happening. Uh, part, part of it was because I was shooting like a really faulty Beretta. Um, but also like part of it was, I, I think I had learned everything that I needed to from production specifically. Low cap, doing reloads every single time and switching to carry optics just brought out another dimension my stage planning and allowed me to be more aggressive it allowed me not to have to worry about dropping a mag and doing a reload every single time I move my feet. Um, so I, I'm not I'm not advocating for the guy who like comes to every match with a new gun and shoots a different division. However, I think it is important that you you diversify. I mean, I think low cap and high cap is a good example. You shoot one, you shoot the other, and there's things in both. Like there's different skills that are challenged in both. And I, I would venture to say that's I mean, how, how many, how often do you uh, switch between divisions and three gun map? Uh, I'll be honest with you. I don't switch between divisions, but I think a good parallel is, okay, I've been shooting three gun for this amount of time. Hey, I'm going to break it up and I'm going to go shoot a USPSA match. Um, that way I'm shooting something different and I have the guns to where I can go shoot a production if I wanted to. Um, or I'm just going to shoot limited minor. That way I can just focus on some pistol skills. Um, uh, But, you know, at some point, you know, I know a lot of guys who started out like all of us shooting TAC ops and they're switching over to open now. Um, That's a huge investment. That's an open pistol. That's, uh, you know, most people doing dissonant arm shotguns. I mean, you're looking at that's 
right there is probably a seven thousand dollar investment, but that's what they plan on shooting for the long term now. Yeah, I think there's something to be said from going from a more restrictive division to a more, for lack of a better word, an open division, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm thankful for starting in the low cap division, starting in production with irons and everything. I, you know, uh, at the end of the day, like I love guns that go fast. I like shooting fast. I love the whole, the, the arcade feel that USPSA can have. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like my role in society is Marine Corps officer. And I need to be able to shoot a service pistol effectively. I need to be able to teach people on service p- pistols effectively. So that's why I was so dead set on learning how to shoot irons well and also learning how to shoot like stock guns really well but open it up once in a while let yourself have a little have have fun like try someone else's gun um just variety is good right like and if you're doing the same thing over and over kind of like what you're saying back when the bullseye pistol team would just go train every single day and you guys were kind of getting a like what Hutchinson said, um, a death by quantity, right? And that got at a certain point, you guys just didn't really want to do it anymore, and you probably weren't getting as getting as many valuable reps out of it. Well, you know, and you know what we kind of did, and what I did is I took a break after the season. Like I would take one one and a half months off where I am not on the range. Um, you know, it is what it is, but that was that was my time for me to where I could just be at home with family, you know, go into work, take care of administrative tasks. Um, and then once that month, month and a half is over, okay, I'm going back on the range. I'm going to do some stuff again and I'm going to have some fun. Um, I'll tell you right now, I haven't, I haven't trained uh, like realistically trained and I haven't shot a match since December um and it's been for a few different reasons um you know priorities have shifted um as everyone here knows i'm going to be retiring so i kind of have other priorities um but you know i i i kind of just wanted to see what it's like to take a break and then just whenever i come back i want to just do it for fun there will always be a competitive aspect to it. Um, Marines are competitive in nature, but I just, when I come back, I just want to go out there and I want to be the best me that I can be without feeling that burnout. Um, And that's what it kind of comes down to. Uh, Again, like I said, priorities change, looking for a job, trying to save money, you know, after 20 years of doing the same thing, you know, it's not as easy to think outside the box of, Hey, what's out there for me? Um, so I just kind of wanted to use this time just to be with the family as much as I can. And this is probably the longest period of time in eight years I've been home uh, without going on any type of trips. And it's been nice. It's been relaxing. And I know when I do come back to the range, it's it's going to be a good time. Would you say there's any credence to stepping away from something, you know, just spending time with family or, you know, maybe getting into hunting season and then letting like excitement anticipation build up for competitive shooting. So when you do get back, you're fresh and like that, that energy and that excitement is kind of like built up like that reservoir that might've been depleted at the end of a shooting season is now there. And then you can, you can, you can go forth with some enthusiasm. 
Oh, absolutely. But I think there's also a level of nervousness, like for anybody who truly cares, uh, whenever they first go back to a match after not shooting for so long, they're like, how am I going to compare? How is, has anybody gotten better than me? Which more than likely they have. Um, If you haven't been training at all, Um, your body does retain for lack of better words, muscle memory. Um, But you're still going to be rusty in certain aspects. So you can't go into that match for that first time after a long break, expecting any miracles to occur, um, expect a 60 to 70%, you know, solution of what you were prior to the end of it, uh, the previous season. Um, but that, that first match should be, I'm going out here to have fun. Yeah. And per- perspective is so important. Um, I, for me, it's important to look at my ability to shoot as a blessing and not as something that I have to do. And there's a tremendous difference between those two. Uh, I'll pull it back and I'll talk about an anecdote, right? First duty station, my, my battalion commander pulls us in for a PME and watch the movie Fury. It's the Brad Pitt movie, Tanks, you know, I believe it was World War II. Yep. Um, great movie. And I'm just a bunch of officers sitting in a, in a theater in Myanmar watching Fury. But at the end of it, he hones in on a specific scene. Uh, it's near the end of the movie. I'm not going to say spoiler alert because if you haven't seen that movie, there's something. Oh, the movie's been out for a while. It has been. <laughs> <laughs> so you can go ahead and hit pause or just, you know, cancel out. But um, yeah, so the tank goes down, like they lose some treads. They're basically dead in the water. They're about to get overrun by Germans. And Brad Pitt's character basically says something effective like, I'm staying. It's up to you guys if you want to stay or not. My battalion commander hits pause on it. And he says, what makes that, what makes him effective leader in that moment? Like, why was that messaging? Why, why, why did that messaging work the way that it did? And little Lieutenant Gao puts up his hand. And is like, well, it's because he gave his subordinates an option to choose. He could have told them to stay. He could have told them, you don't have a choice. Like we're staying here. But by giving them an element of choice, it gave them buy-in. It made it their decision. And they were all there, like, communally as a group. Um, and, you know, they, they, they defended that. It was their tank. They decided to stick with it and decide to defend it together um, as a team. So that little, like, if you look at your ability to shoot matches as a blessing, if you look at, you know, just, like, yeah, everything, like just being an American citizen, having access to, to a competitive shooting scene. Um, if, the, if you have that excitement to build in yourself, then I think overall, and that's, that's a life, that's a life thing in general, right? Mm-hmm. Just being able to look at those things and um, perspective is incredibly important in that, in that regard. Um, there's definitely been times where I've seen shooting and I've seen reloading as more of a job. And that's the point at which you need to ask yourself, am I legitimately, am I legitimately enjoying myself? And if not, why? Like, what's the source? What's the root cause? Yeah, no, um, I've been there. Um, and I'm, you know, I, at the end of the last season, I was there. That's the point I was at. I was, I didn't want to do anything. Uh, even this year, I questioned, when am I coming back? Um, I thought I was going to be back for Battle for the South, but I ultimately 
you know, due to certain reasons. I went down there. I ordered the match. I helped out. I wanted to be around friends. Um, and whether I keep shooting, I'm still going to be around the same people and they're still going to be the same friends. But I wanted to kind of just take that break, you know, nurse some injuries and just hang around the people that I love being around. Um, that in and of itself was enough to be like, I'm, I'm ready to come back to shoot a major. I'm ready to go shoot a local. Um, I shot the last match I shot last year. Um, it was in December and uh, it, I, you know, I, I ended up, I ended up last year on kind of a high note. Um, it was just a local match uh, that I kind of went to shoot for fun with a friend of mine. Um, and I ended up winning the whole match, both division and, um, and, and, and the overall spot. I was like, holy shit, I knocked two goals off in one stone. And it's something I've been trying to do for years. Um, and it kind of is like, all right, I'm ready to kind of put it down and stop trace chasing, uh, these goals for a bit. Um, would you draw any comparisons between the times that you've had match burnout and possibly feeling burnout in the span of your Marine Corps career? Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, I've almost gotten out of the Marine Corps a couple times now, you know, every, after every re enlistment or prior, you know, whenever it comes time for reenlistment, the question is always there. Am I going to stay in? Am I going to do another four years? Um, I got out once already, but after that one time, you know, coming back in, I was like, all right, I'm here to the end. But uh, while I was overseas the last time, you know, it was time for me to reenlist. I hadn't signed my papers yet. Um, I called my wife. I was like, I want to get out. She's like, excuse me. I was like, I, I want to leave the Marine Corps and I want to go do something else. And she's like, you've been in for 15, almost 16 years now. What's going on? And I was like, I told her, you know, um, there were certain aspects that I wasn't happy with and I wanted to go see something else. Ultimately, like, yeah, I stayed in. Um, but I, I, I stayed in for the right reasons and not just family or anything. You know, I always told myself if I'm unhappy with uh, my life, if I don't feel the same passion or drive, I'm, I'm going to get out. Um, I wasn't upset with the Marine Corps. I, I wanted to go uh, at the time. I wanted to go to the army, do something else and, you know, get some good deployments in. Um, but she ultimately convinced me to stay in. I came here to the team and I accomplished every goal I wanted to for the team. Um, so it's knowing when to take a step back. If it's time for orders, requesting something, <coughs> excuse me, requesting something that's not going to be as laborious, uh, you know, something where it's going to be a normal nine to five. You're not going to be spending all your time in the field. Um, there are going to be times in your career where you're going to be doing something that you don't enjoy for years on end. Uh, for my career, um, for 15 years, I was doing infantry stuff um, or something in that capacity. You know, the first eight years in the fleet, the following three years, I was an SOI instructor. And then, you know, up until my 15 year mark, I was deploying again. Um, 
And when I came home that last time, I was like, I'm burnt out from this. Um, but I got to see a different aspect in the Marine Corps, which is where I'm at now. Um, and it's just being able to recognize those aspects. It's being able to recognize is now a good time to take time off, time to take leave, take a week here, take a week there if I can, um, you know. Uh, sometimes you don't get the choice because you're in the middle of a workup, but there are steps you can take um, to minimize that burnout. Yeah. Um, I'll confide in you, man. Something I've always hated is when like you come back from leave and somebody says something along the lines of like, must be nice. I, I don't think we should really, we get, get 30 days a year. And mm -hmm. it just seems like, you know, some, some, some guys and gals, they just never use it. Yeah. Um, I, I encourage my subordinates to take time off and I, I actually tell them, I was like, Hey, it's a good chance for you to like take a step away from your unit and see how things run in your absence. And if things fall apart while you're gone, then it's probably a sign that you should be preparing people differently. And you need to like delegate a little differently and tweak some things. Cause that's ultimately the goal. If you're, if you're, uh, you know, senior staff and CEO or an officer uh, to be able to step away from your unit and have them function in your absence, if they only work, if, all, if things only work when you're around, then that means that you've made the entire system way too dependent on you. I will um, say this, though. Whenever you do take that time off, don't answer the phone. Like, I, I legitimately take that time off for you. Don't answer the phone. Let them leave a message. That way, if you do have to get back to them, you know, if they're, if they need you, they're going to leave a message or they're going to send you a text, but don't, just don't jump all over it. Let them figure things out sometimes. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, and, and I've been there myself, you know, as a, as a young officer, I, there were certain points at which I was like, I'm not going to accept career does. I think this is it for me. And even as recently as last December, I reached out to like a civilian career counselor and I was like, Hey, what I'm thinking of possibly getting out. What do you have for me? Um, so I think it's, I think it's healthy to ask yourself that question because being in the Marine Corps does take a lot of emotional energy, um, emotional and physical energy. And it's a marathon. And, you know, if you, I, I think the whole point of what we've talked about for the, for this podcast episode is that if you don't manage your shooting season and if you're not real with your, like you're not real about your goals and the way that you're setting things up, then your shooting season can very much end up feeling the same way. And your it's your performance is going to suffer. Um, and like you stated before, you prepared so much for a season and when things start going wrong, if you don't properly prepare, it's just going to compound mentally and by the end of it, you're going to be questioning why you're doing something. And whenever you get to that question, you got to think long and hard. What could I have done better to prepare myself to make this year a lot better than what it was? Um, and that's what it kind of comes down to proper planning. Yeah. But at the end of the day, shooting's fun. We'd like to keep it fun. Uh, but these are just some of the things that, you know, I, I've learned from competitive shooting. You've learned, Matt, from being uh, in charge of the team and being around shooting for as long as you have. So anything else to add? Uh, 
you you asked me about switching divisions. I I and I just thought of this. Okay, so if you've been shooting you just USPSA or if you've just been shooting three gun, you know, you're kind of finding yourself burnt out on that. You know, try something, uh, try a different sport out. You know, if you have a 22 rifle, get into NRL 22. If you have a long rifle, you know, um, you know, 308, 65, whatever it is, you know, go sh- go shoot a PRS match. Uh, go out and just have fun. Try a different discipline. Go out with friends um, and just go do it for fun. Um, at the end of the day, you might find something that you're uh, something else you're passionate about. And then you might go into that for a few years. I know plenty of people who switched from three gun to PRS and that's all they do now. Um, it's less taxing on the body. It's just as expensive, if not more. Uh, but you know, it's something that they enjoy and then, you know, go back to three gun or go back to USPSA. Just shooting is fun. Uh, it teaches you a lot about yourself as a person. I think that's one thing we can all agree on. Uh, and as long as you're you're watching the signs and you're listening to your body um, and you're watching your wallet, um, you, you, you're you're going to be in a good place. Yeah, I I think that's a great uh, thing to emphasize is how intensely personal uh, a shooting journey is. You're the only one looking through your sights, and you. I mean, at the end of the day, it's you and your gun, and you either perform to the standard that you have trained to, or you don't. And it's up to you to figure out what you're going to do from there. Um, I think I think that that makes it inherently different from other sports in which you have teammates to rely on, and you have other people that can bail you out. Nobody can do that in shooting, so that's what makes it uniquely um, such a unique sport, but can also make it a very mentally taxing and crushing sport if you don't if you don't prepare for it the right way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think this kind of covers everything we've been wanting to do and i think we went down a lot of rabbit holes and but i think at the end of the day uh um i think yeah it was good it was fun yeah for sure and you're going to see episodes like this once in a while we want to get out there and uh, expose you guys to shooters from different disciplines from all walks of life well, once in a while, you're just going to hear the two of us uh, yak on about some random topic. And as we've proved, we have plenty to talk about. <laughs> but we hope you enjoyed. Let us know what you think. If you have any experiences that you want to tell us about where you've experienced burnout and how to properly combat it, that way we could bring it up in another conversation. Uh, let us know how, how you've what you've done to kind of prevent yourself from getting burnout or how you've gotten yourself out of a burnout. Other than that, thank you for listening. Let us know what you think and have a good one.